We're starting a brand new series called Built to Last. And for the next four weeks, we're going to look at four areas that we want to build on the rock. Of course, you and I can build with sand, and it's easy. You can shape sand. But what we learn is that rock shapes us. Come on, we even know a pillow could crease our face. How much more can a rock shape us? And sometimes it can feel hard to build on rock. And you can, if they're the only builders, I don't know enough. And putting foundations together, getting the engineering plans, building on rock um, can be hard. But what we learn in the Bible is people who build on the rock, that is Jesus, on His principles, they have peace when storms come. They might have worked hard and maybe it feels tough to implement certain principles. But what you're doing is you're setting yourself up to stand no matter what comes your way. But if you build with sand and you shape the sand, it might be a lot easier and a quicker route. But when storms and hard times come, peace will not be in your home. Peace will not be in your life. And that's why we encourage people to build so they can last. Today, I want to actually talk to you about building your identity on Jesus, because we are living in a world that's struggling with their identity. There's ever been a season um, of that struggle being highlighted. I think it is now. People are struggling so much, and they're also questioning not only the timing of their life, they're questioning the design that God's put on their life. Of course, to settle your identity is powerful. Um, there's a, um, even prepping for this message, I've read articles of people who've had a, a certain identity around uh, what they're going to do in their future, especially sports people. And some of the great sportsmen and women, they, they normally found that those people, before they even finished school, had already carried this confidence that they were going to be great in the area of sports. It was part of their identity. And so what we just learned from that principle of people being sure of their identity in sport is that your identity affects your destiny. How much more should we be settled and sure about our identity in Christ? Because that determines our destiny, um, our eternal destiny. So you and I are living in a world where, where uh, identity theft is happening. I heard a story years back, uh, I reckon about 14 years ago, of a guy who uh, did some, um, had some photos taken of himself and was put in a stock library. Um, he heard from the people who took the photo, they paid him out a small amount and that they were, his photos weren't going to be used. Years later, he saw his photo on this coffee cup campaign and he actually luckily identified himself. And he queried it, and based on how many times they used it, it went to court. They owed him $16.5 million. This was a long time ago. You can be glad, he can be glad he, he could discover his identity, he could identify himself. Hey, um, It pays out massively to know your identity. Um, in America, the last five years, the U.S. government tax revenue service has paid out $25 billion um, in tax fraud, where people have, strangers have filled out other people's tax returns and to steal their payouts. And, and it happens over and over and over. You know, you could go, wow, that is a massive loss. 
But that's not the greatest loss when it comes to um, identity theft. The greatest loss actually happens when the enemy steals your identity. You might go, if he gets hold of my money, there's a greater loss and there's a greater thing he's after. The enemy wants to steal your true identity and he wants you to be knocked wayward. See, when you don't know your true identity, you can never let go of your past. And when you can't let go of your past, you'll never be able to step into your future. You'll always be carrying baggage. I've been doing this training with the staff. We've been looking at different ways to increase your capacity, just as a leader, just how you deal with people. And they say people who have a high emotional capacity have decided they're never a victim. Of course, I said, how true is it for us? We can grasp that because we know Jesus took what we deserve, death on the cross, and gave us what he deserved, favor and grace. Clearly, we no longer are victims. And it should allow us to increase our emotional capacity. But they also say that the person who is the most immature always decides the emotional level of a room. Because the mature person will always consider them more. But the immature person doesn't have an ability to consider um, the more mature person. Very interesting thought, training with our staff and leaders, because sometimes we let the most immature person determine the room. And not that we consider them, we just, we just have to decide to grow. What I'm trying to say is you need to consider them, but you need to grow. And if you don't understand your identity, you will always be carrying your past and you'll always feel like a victim of your past. You might even currently feel like a victim of the economy. You might feel like a victim of uh, the city you live in. Um, like, you know, we just have way too good sunsets. Anyway, like, I, mean, like, I don't know what we can complain about in the city. But, but your identity is key and the enemy wants to rob you of it. This is what you need to understand. The devil has no ability to create. So when the devil gets involved in your identity, if you fully understand this, he has no ability to create. Well, what's the devil, what can the devil do? The devil can steal, he can kill, and he can destroy. That's his ability. And he tells lies. He's the father of lies. So when he gets involved in your life, that's what he does to your identity. Only God has the ability to create. So the enemy always wants to put a mist on your identity. He wants to distort it. He wants to pervert it. And he wants to destroy you. And his goal is to take you away from your identity in Christ. Of course, for us, we know Matthew 7 verse 24. Anyone who listens to my teachings and follows it is like, uh, uh, follows it is wise, like a person who builds a house on solid rock. It's hard to build on solid rock, but, but that's what happens for those who apply God's Word. The though the rain comes in torrents and the floodwaters rise and the winds beat against the house, it won't collapse because it is built on bedrock. Of course, we see how we apply. We have to look at God's Word for our identity. If we're going to build our identity, we're going to build it on God's Word. Of course, we also need to know proximity is key. And he's, God says to us, if you draw close to me, I'll draw close to you. We need to stay close to the one who, who made us, who made us in our mother's womb because he 
confirms and He affirms and He directs us. But, but, but when you don't have, aren't staying close, the enemy will lie to you. But if you stay close to God, God will affirm, you're my son, you're my daughter. You know, a prodigal son, he, he asks for his, his inheritance early and he squanders it. In a way, he loses his identity. In his poverty, he ends up in a pig pen. And of course, Jewish men don't eat pork. Now, they, he, he's, of course, in a pig pen about to eat the food of the pigs. You know what I mean? He's gone to another, another level of low in their eyes, in the story. And it says he comes to his senses. It's like he, by God's grace, you can always come to your senses about your identity. And he goes, even in my father's house, there's always food enough to spare. He goes, my father's house is such a good place. Even the servants... Have there's always enough food. So he goes, I'll go back as a servant. He even lowers, even though he's going back to the house, to the house of God, he lowers his identity. He goes, I'll just be lower. Walks to his father says, can I come? I'm sorry, can I come in and as a servant? And again, his father affirms him, says, no, you're my son. You're my son. And when you come close to your father, come close to God, he will declare your, orig- your original identity. He'll affirm you and he'll release you into what he's provided for you. Your father is a good father and he's a lover of your soul. And, and so what we do is we get caught up in, 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 in trying to find our identity in physical appearance. We attempt to remain beautiful and youthful but the truth is, you're going to get older. Life takes its toll on you. Of course, even Scripture reminds you, 1 Samuel 16 verse 7, the Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And of course, if you're trying to find your identity in your physical appearance, there's a big chance you'll never try to work on your heart. And God's given you a key there. Why does God go, your heart's more important? He looks at your heart because that's where you stay healthy in your identity. Don't get caught up. Yes, take care of yourself. Be a steward of the body God's given you. Stay fit, stay healthy. Yes, like some people say, you, you are the ultimate, you've been designed by the ultimate master. You need to put some good fuel into that car. You know what I mean? Like, you know, like yes, feed your body the right things. Take care of it. Be a steward of it. Major on working on your heart. Because let's face it, you might look beautiful on the outside, but you know on the inside you feel ugly because you're angry with people. You're upset. You feel like a victim. You feel like you've been done in and you're always, there's always these outbursts. And, and you and I need to settle that we're loved by God, that God didn't make a mistake with us, that His plans are perfect for us, and, and that God, God is for us. And, so, and we just start to find our identity in God and our inside world gets settled. Other people try to find their identity um, in performance. Of course, you might experience um, your self-worth, sense self-worth when, when people validate you, uh, what you've done and how well you did it. Or you try to impress people, your latest achievements, uh, awards and accomplishments in a way. Like if you've got nothing to celebrate in social media, like, you know, you feel your life's meaningless, you know. You, you, like you go, oh, this is a moment. I need to put it up. People need to think my life's like good. And, and that's an empty life. Ecclesiastes 2 verse 11 uh, says, Yet when I surveyed all that my hands had done and what I had toiled to achieve, everything was meaningless. A chasing after the wind. Nothing was gained under the sun. And when you're trying to find your identity in performance, you will chase 
the southeast of the Cape doctor all your life to realize you can't catch it. And you'll come back from this life with pretty much what you can get from catching the wind. I don't know if you've ever brought the home, southeaster home. Hey, babe, look what I got. Your wife's like, you have got nothing. But I ran after it the whole day. But people who try to find their identity in that spend their whole life running after the wind only to find out that it's a meaningless life. And even though you, you've run after it, you've come back with nothing and your life's even emptier. Of course, you and I, once we come to Christ, our performance doesn't get us what God wants to give us. In Ephesians 2 verse 8 says, For it's by grace you've been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. And that's the other amazing thing about your identity. Your identity is settled in heaven. God already decided who you'll be in your mother's womb. And He already decided your value because He paid the price for you on the cross. Your identity and your value is settled in what Jesus has done for you. And, and you, can't, you can't do anything else to deserve it, but you can, to, you can receive it. It's a gift from God. What an awesome gift, your identity, your value. You know, you want to find out how valuable you are? See how much somebody's willing to pay for you. What somebody's willing to pay for you. Well, you go, oh, well, I haven't had, no, no. Well, Jesus shows us how much we're worth by laying down his life on the cross for us. He says, you're so valuable, I'll die for you. You need to settle your identity in that. I'm worth dying for. The creator of the world is willing to lay down his life for me. Other people try to find their identity in material possessions. And, and of course, we let money rule our lives. And, um, and, and we try to enjoy fleeting moments and, and false security. And, and sometimes we can feel cared for and insulated and protected from the dangers of the world with our finances. But Luke 12 verse 15 says, says, life does not consist in the abundance of possessions. I'm not saying money is bad. Scripture says the love of money is bad. Money is a blessing. I pray that you're all blessed. But don't try to find your identity in that. Because even Proverbs says, um, hard men, ruthless men make a lot of money, but that's all they'll ever get. The crazy thing is then it goes and say money's lost in a second. Some people have made a lot of money, but they've made no relationships. They've made no family. They're the loneliest people on the planet. They've just been ruthless for money. And they find out their life has been meaningless. Don't try to find your, your value in possessions. Yes, if you have possessions, steward it. Thank God for it. Honor God with it. Bless other people with it. But you are much more valuable than money. Jesus laid his life down for you. So, you and I can find our confidence in God. Acts 17 verse 26 says, for one, man, for one man he made, from one man he made all the nations that they should inhabit the whole earth. He marked out their appointed times in history and the boundaries of their lands. You know what this scripture shows me and you can leave it up is, is that he marked out the time I should be born and even the, the boundaries of their lands. Like for me, I go, you know, people go, it's a mistake. I shouldn't live here. I was born at the wrong time. No, no. Scripture shows us you were born at the perfect time and you already decided the land you'd be in. If God wants to lead you to other places, let Him lead you. But don't go and think that, that you're bigger than God. 
God clearly wants to bless you where He's placed you in the time He's placed you there. He has not put you into this world so that you would suffer. He's put you in this world so He can use you for His glory. You can be confident that God has not made a mistake with you. And in a world that wants to confuse you, wants to distort your identity, you can be confident in the God who, poured, who placed you on this earth for such a time as this. And you can rise up and say, I'm perfectly, wonderfully made for this time in South Africa. Clearly, God's got good things for me. You can say that with confidence. You say, why, Andre? Well, that's a biblical statement. That's a biblical statement. That's a rock statement. That's not a sand statement. That's not a hype statement. That's a rock statement. You say, Andre, but sometimes it feels so hard to say that. It's because you're building on the rock. <laughs> you're building with the most solid foundation. You're building with the best material. And you will see as the earth is shaken, what's solid and built in the rock will stand. You were born for such a time as this. Ephesians 1 verse 4 says, For He chose us in Him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in His sight. We, we can be confident that God chose us for this time in history. We can rest in the knowledge that within your, your unique identity, God, um, you have a very specific purpose. God, didn't, God placed you on purpose in this time for a purpose. Identity, sorry, purpose is your identity in action. And once you wake up to the truth that God didn't make a mistake with you, that He placed you on purpose in this time, in this land, you can rise up and start to drive to work on purpose. What have you got for me, God? Where do you want me to pray? What do you want me to do? What can I add? How can I add value to my workplace? How can I pray for my spouse today or my colleagues? Or how can I make a difference in my classroom? Because you clearly did not make a mistake. You knew exactly where I'd be at the exact time, what land I'd be in. You may, even before the creation of the world, you thought of me. I love that scripture, before the creation of the world, that He thought of me clearly. When he was making the world, that was a secondary thought. He was clearly making the world for me. And that's not an arrogant statement. That's a confident statement that I'm not a victim of this world. I was designed to live in it, to give him glory, to make a difference. My identity is settled. I can be confident. I have to wake up shaken or insecure or uncertain. Clearly, God knew exactly what He was doing. I'm not an accident. He didn't make a mistake with my design. He made me wonderfully and skillfully in my mother's room. And He saw every day ahead for me, Scripture says. So He knitted me together. And so, so He saw that day, He put me together like, okay, this is how Andre should be put together for that day. When I face a day, I know that, that I can overcome in Christ. He made me for today. He made me for today. He didn't make a mistake with me. My God is a good God. So yes, your, deter your identity determines your destiny. That's a pretty big statement. Moses is a boy who, who, who is born into a time when the Egyptians were killing Jewish baby boys. You would say, he was born at the wrong time. The Egyptians were killing Jewish baby boys. He was a Jewish baby boy. They were trying to cut the legs out of the Jewish nation. 
um, and, and, and their growth. And his mother, to protect him, puts him in a reed basket down a river. And Pharaoh's daughter, the Egyptian king's daughter, finds him, brings him into the palace. He's raised, he's educated in this palace. He's given the best food. And then he discovers his identity, that he's actually a Jewish boy. And he sees his people being hurt and he stands up for one. He ends up killing an Egyptian slave driver. And then in his shame, he runs away. And then God meets him in, in a desert, burning bush experience. But it's, he, he gets called to his true identity. What's amazing is that, that in learning his true identity, it ends up giving him the courage to let go of the past. He says, I'm not going to be part of that palace anymore. I'm not going to be part of that. It's not my identity. My identity is that I'm a child of God and I've been born into the people of God. The next thing his identity gives him is the courage to walk into his future. And that's why if you would build your identity on Jesus, you will have the courage to let go of your past. Moses let go of Egypt. In the Bible, Egypt represents slavery, represents bondage, uh, represents the past that was holding you back. What's your Egypt? Uh, maybe your Egypt is um, that you are trying to find your identity in possessions. Maybe your Egypt is performance. Maybe it's appearance. Maybe it's offense. Maybe it's unforgiveness. And as you discover your identity, you will have the strength to let go of your past. You'll be able to forgive people because God didn't make a mistake with you. God placed you on purpose. God paid a price for your sin. You didn't earn it, but you received it. Now all of a sudden, you're not a victim anymore and you can let go of that. You can forgive those people who've hurt you. you can, you're not defined by those thoughts anymore. You are free. But, but when we don't build our life on a rock, we're always carrying our past baggage. We're carrying it into the next encounter. We're carrying it into our marriage. We, we're carrying it into our parenting. And, and then we go, you don't know how I grew up. And you, you go, but you don't have to live like you. You're a child of God. It says in Scripture that when you come to Christ, you actually makes you a new creation, the original language, a new species. You're brand new. You are no longer your past in Jesus' name. You don't parent based on your past. You don't, you parent, you're saying, I make mistakes, but my parenting should be around my destiny in heaven. I'm a child of God. One day I will live forever in heaven. I was joking with the, um, with this, some of the guys. Um, Juliana, I just taught her that we pray. We pray. My oldest daughter, we pray for everything. And Zara as well. We pray. We pray. So Zara, Juliana prays for everything. Like we'll go watch sports. We watched her cousin play sports and they really weren't doing well. She's like, Dad, I'm just going to go down there and pray for them. Okay. Like, you know, I'm like, her, her uncle Dino was like, I don't know if it's going to help. But anyway, like, you know what I mean? Like they are not that good. Yeah. But, but it's like, why do I teach her to pray? Because she was made for heaven. You know, my, I, I might try to teach her based, you know, based on my past, you know, based on my future. This is what I want to teach you. I'm a child of God. You're destined for heaven. Why are you doing your marriage based on your past? Why are you doing your business based on your past? You've got a destiny in heaven. You're a child of God. The economy of heaven is flourishing. Some of us, I can't be generous because of my past. I'm not asking you to be generous because of your past. I'm asking you to be generous because of your future. Because whatever you give to God on earth, you'll enjoy forever in heaven. Based on your future, what's the wise thing to do?
What's the wise thing to do? You've got an identity in God. What's your, what's your Egypt? You, Andre, you can't bring children into this world. And look, no, no. God knew exactly when you should be born. He knew exactly when your children should be born. And He's not trying to trick you. He wants to bless your children. He wants to bl- cause them to flourish. They're going to make a massive difference wherever He places them. They are going to be difference makers. In Jesus' name, you are blessed. There's no Egypt over your life. You got God over your life. And then you got the courage to step into your future. The amazing thing is you now live for an audience of one. You know, you know when you weren't living for an audience of one, you were living for everyone in your row, on your street, in your family, on your social media page. I wonder if they're gonna like it. I wonder who's gonna be offended. I wonder who's gonna. Now you live for an audience of one. It's the most freeing thing. No one sees me yet. You know, I was trying to do my career and at work, people are being overlooked. And no, no, you're living for an audience of one. God's watching. He's seeing how diligent you are. And the Bible says He's your promoter. So you know what it means? You got to work free. You don't care who's watching because you know God's always watching. You're living for an audience of one. You're doing your work well. You're studying. You're doing your degree well. You're not trying to keep up with social media. Who likes me or have I made it yet? You're living for an audience of one. And God sees what's happening in your heart and He sees what you're doing in secret. And what you're doing in secret for Him, He'll reward publicly. You're living for an audience of one. You've not only got a new identity, you've got a future in Christ. Have I got a future in this business? If you're living for Christ, you've got a massive future wherever you go. You've got an eternity awaiting for you. You are blessed. You are the head and not the tail. If God's for you, who can be against you? You're living for an audience of one. You become the, you're like the best person to hang out with. You're like low maintenance. Why? Because everything you need is in Christ. So you've got everything to give prior to being in Christ. Everyone else needs to give you something. <laughs> you better make me happy. You better make me laugh. I saw that you didn't greet me today. Oh, high maintenance, next level. In Christ, low maintenance, fulfilled by God. Let go of my past, living for an audience of one, destined for heaven. God's got this. God can do the impossible. Come on, let's close our eyes. You know, even as I've spoken, I prayed at the beginning of the, at the beginning, that God would knock on the door of your heart. Scripture says that that's what He does. He knocks on the door of our heart. The reason He does it, if you have the sense in a way, spiritually, that He's knocking the door of your heart, He does it because He wants you to open that door so He can come in, come into your life, save you, change you, transform you. Well, how do I do this, Andre? Do I earn it? No, no, you can't earn it. But you can receive it. It's just a grace gift. It's called salvation. Maybe you've drifted. Maybe you've never asked Him to forgive you of your sins. The Bible says, as we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins. The Bible says, those who call in the name of the Lord, they'll be saved. And, and maybe that's just what you need to do this morning. I'd love to lead you in a confession that where you receive your salvation in Christ. If that's you, just with every eye closed, I respect for people who need to pray that prayer. If that's you, just give me a wave and say, will you include me in that prayer? 
If that's you, just say, that's me. Include me in that prayer. God bless you. Anyone else? Just give me a wave. I'd love to include you. I'm praying for you. God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Let's pray. You might not even put your hand up and pray. If you need to pray this prayer, pray with me. Jesus, thank you for paying the price of my sin. I confess that I'm a sinner. Thank you that you're faithful and just to forgive me of my sins. I call on your name. Save me today. I confess that you are the Son of God. I believe in my heart that God raised you from the dead. Because of this confession and this belief, the Bible says that I'm saved, that I'm changed, and I'll never be the same in Jesus' name. Amen. Can I just give Jesus thanks, praise. Thank you, Jesus. Can I ask everyone just to look to their right? Yaku's just opened a door and you can see his silhouette. He takes up the whole door pretty much. Um, but we've got a prayer room. We've got men and women counsellors. If you, if you put your hand up, um, your next step is to tell somebody. I always say that. That's your next step. Just tell somebody. I, I responded. I, I gave my life to Jesus, came back to Jesus. Let them pray with you. Um, if you want to go there with a family member, you can go there. If you didn't put your hand up but you prayed that prayer, you can make your way there. Or if you need any prayer, We've got men and women prayer counsellors and they can pray with you. Um, remember tonight, uh, we're going to carry on our, our series. Matt's going to be preaching and then we're going to um, have watch some netball afterwards. We'll have some fun together. Don't miss out on that. Next week, we're going to look at our next thing. We need to build on the rock. So don't miss out on next week. Leanne and I will be preaching together. We'll, doing, we'll be up together tag teaming. Um, so it's going to be an awesome Sunday. And remember, you can grab your first coffee well, our first time guests at the door. Women's Day um, photo booth for Wednesday. Please make the most of that. And, and I trust you're blessed to all our parents who dedicate the children. God bless you guys. Enjoy celebrating today. Cheers, guys.